Thank you for listening to this Podcast One production. Available on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. Every car comes with its uh, share of stories. You know that, right? That ding in your bumper when you nervously picked up a first date. The luxury package you got after that big promotion. Or the mileage you save by riding your bike all summer. While you can't put a price tag on your stories, now with True Car, you can at least find out what your car's worth when it's time to sell or trade it in. Just go to True Car, simply enter your license plate number, and watch how your car details pop up. Then answer a few questions. Navigation and moonroof, watch as they bump up your value. High mileage, You already knew it was going to cost you, right? But now you know how much it dings your wallet so you can plan ahead. Once you're finished, you'll get a true cash offer sent in minutes, which you can take to a local certified dealer to cash out or trade in. So when you're ready to experience a better way to sell or trade in your car, check out True Car today. True Car cash offer not available in all areas. Since 1983, Eddie Trunk has been the voice for fans of rock, hard rock, and heavy metal. A best-selling author, host of TV's That Metal Show, and seven national radio shows, including Trunk Nation, daily on Sirius XM. Interesting. Eddie offers the world his news-making interviews, passionate analysis, honest commentary, and who knows what else. So welcome to the Eddie Trunk Podcast. Welcome, everybody. Eddie Trunk here, and it's time for another episode of the Eddie Trunk Podcast, which is new every Thursday via podcast1.com and iTunes. Thank you for downloading, streaming, checking it out, subscribing, however you listen, however you connect. Thank you for doing so as we settle in for another week and coming off of a tremendous week. Hope everybody had a good holiday last weekend, whether you celebrate Easter or Passover or Maybe don't celebrate either. Whatever you did, hope it was good. And I thank you for uh, checking out what I do here on the podcast all the time. Wherever you are around the world, thank you for doing so. And uh, let's see, I'm coming off of a vacation last week, a little family action. Went on a cruise. That was kind of cool. I know a lot of people, when I say go on a cruise, what are you kidding? You go on a lot of, a lot of cruises for music and whatever. Well, those aren't vacations. Very different. This one was no music, no rock bands, just the family and some, uh, you know, some downtime. A little hectic when you got young kids. I don't need to tell anybody out there who has young kids how crazy it can be, <laughs> you know. So sometimes you need a vacation from the vacation, but uh, it is what it is. So here we go, smack into all sorts of stuff. I am knee-deep in great things going on. I'll share some of the immediate stuff with you right now before we get to our two interviews this week on the podcast. So, uh, real quick, I went to see Rival Sons, who performed at a venue in Brooklyn 
called Brooklyn Steel this past Sunday. Yes, Easter Sunday night. Now, anybody who knows anything about me, I live in New Jersey. I hate driving into New York City, especially on a Sunday, especially when I don't really have to, and especially on a holiday, no less. But anybody that knows anything about me knows I love Rival Sons, and I needed to see these guys. Their new album, Feral Roots, is my favorite. We had Scott Holiday on this podcast a few weeks ago, and it was my only chance on this current run to see them. So I ventured into Brooklyn, cool venue, good turnout, great turnout actually for a Sunday night on a holiday. It was amazing. There's probably 1,500 people, room held about 1,800. And uh, the first time I ever saw this band that I love so much do a full headline set, they did not disappoint. They absolutely killed it. Jay Buchanan is the best rock singer we have today. It's stunning what he does with his voice. You know how much I rant and rave about the horrific trend of rock bands playing to tracks and lip syncing and samples and all this fakery that goes on. So always give a lot of props to the real deal bands that do it live and real and Rival Sons checks every box. Great songs, great players, and I think the greatest rock singer alive in Jay Buchanan. It's stunning, and if you don't believe me, go see him live and you'll see what I'm talking about. Uh, it is it is great stuff. Hung with all the guys, got to see him. They're out there on tour. Go if you get the chance. You will not be disappointed. So that was Sunday, and uh, all week been doing my radio stuff here. The day that uh, you were, are hearing this podcast on this Thursday, I'm in South Florida once again at the Hard Rock in Hollywood. I am hosting White Snake there tonight, and that should be a lot of fun. Then I fly back tomorrow on Friday night. And then after that, I go to L.A., where I'll be doing the next Trunk Nation L.A. invasion of my Sirius XM show. And that is going to be happening on May 6th at the Rainbow. At the time that I'm recording this, I don't know if I can reveal the guest yet, so I won't. But if you're hearing this, you might want to check my social media. Because from the time I'm recording this, which is on the Tuesday before you hear it, it may have been announced, but in case they decide not to, I can't spill the beans here. But look, the last L.A. invasion was Motley Crue. We get A-list guests for these things. If you're in L.A., come to the broadcast. It is totally free. No ticket needed. Just come to the Rainbow. Monday, May 6th, we start at 6 p.m. Pacific time. We wrap at 8 p.m., set up right on the patio. We have great guests lined up for uh, a week from Monday as well. So Monday, May 6th, the next Trunk Nation L.A. invasion from the Rainbow in L.A., and of course it's broadcast live on Sirius XM 106 volume. That's where all the interviews you hear on the Eddie Trunk podcast originate from. Also before that, Sunday, May 5th, the ride for Ronnie for the Dio Cancer Fund. Los Encinos Park, Encino, California. I'll be there hosting that. The ride starts in the morning if you want to sign up and do the biker rally. And then the food trucks, the bands, all that action happens noon to 5 at the park. Go to docancerfund.org for more information. I am doing my best to try to pull some big names to come down. Don't know if it's going to happen, but we have some great bands, great music. It's a great afternoon, May 5th, for the Dio Cancer Fund. All the money going to that very great cause. So those are some of the immediate things going on. Now, from there, running down my, my schedule, um, and i got to look at my own itinerary here. 
Oh, yeah. I'm going to be at Epicenter in North Carolina, and that is the weekend of May 10th with Don Jameson and Jim Florentine, my That Metal Show partners. We're doing a little speaking gig out on the festival stage or the side stage at that event both Friday and Saturday night. So come see us if you're attending Epicenter. And then I will be at Hangout, which is in Alabama. Not much musically for the hard rock fan, but I'll be there shooting an episode of Trunk Fest for Access TV. Yes, it's taking forever, but season two is indeed coming later this summer as soon as I finish shooting these episodes. And then we got Rocklahoma Memorial Weekend. I mean, I've been hosting Rocklahoma since day one. It's going to be awesome. Corn replaces Ozzy on the bill. Ticket sales are great. See everybody in prior Memorial Weekend. That should be awesome as well. And uh, what else do I want to tell you? There's a bunch of other stuff after that, but that's good enough to keep you <laughs> keep you busy with stuff related to what I'm doing at least. So be sure to check out eddytrunk.com. All my appearances are on the homepage. Be sure to follow on Twitter, at Eddie Trunk, Twitter, Instagram, and also fan page on Facebook. And like I said, eddytrunk.com is the official website. And be sure to listen to me each and every day live on Sirius XM 106 volume, talk and rock, interviews, your phone calls, and a whole lot more every day. 2 to 4 p.m. Eastern Time, replays 9 to 11 p.m. Eastern, on demand on the SiriusXM app. Every interview you hear on this podcast originates from my live radio show. You're only getting a fraction of what I'm doing if you're only listening to the podcast. So if you are in the U.S. or Canada, please join me for Trunk Nation on volume on SiriusXM 106. Last but not least, earlier this week, on Monday, or Tuesday actually, it was officially announced a brand new rock festival, which I am extremely honored to be hosting. It is called Exit 111, and it is happening in Tennessee, and it is a massive festival that is happening uh, 11 through 13 of October at the Great Stage in Manchester, Tennessee. This lineup is off the charts cool because it is all rock and very, very eclectic. You want to hear what I'm talking about? Try this out. And the same night, Leonard Skinnerd and Slayer (laughs) and Megadeth and Black Label Society and Blackstone Cherry. Saturday, Def Leppard, ZZ Top, Ghost, Mastodon, Cheap Trick, same stage. Same day, at least. And Sunday, oh yeah, it wraps up with Cuns and Roses. Are you kidding me? Alter Bridge, Lamb of God. I mean, crazy. So this is really, really cool. I'm extremely honored to be the host for this. Exit 111, Manchester, Tennessee, the weekend of October 11th. And tickets are on sale April 25th, which is now. They went on sale today. The first one ever, it is going to be awesome. It is going to be awesome. So look forward to seeing everybody out there for this, and uh, that should be a lot of fun. And then from that, I get right on the Mega Cruise, the Megadeth Cruise. I go from there right to the Megadeth Cruise, but this is in October, a bit down the line. But, uh, man, 
What an event. So, needless to say, it's been a busy week. Let's get to our podcast this week. How about it? If this was 1989, this would be about the biggest podcast you could possibly find. (laughs) Because it's with two singers that ruled the 80s. One more than the other just because they had a much longer career. And since much of my audience is still living in 1989, and I put myself in that category, you'll love this this week. Because it's a double dip of two of the uh, the big front men of the 80s in the hard rock world that dominated the video screens on MTV. I'm talking about Brett Michaels, who of course is still out there, never stopped, still doing it so well. And Mike Tramp, the lead singer of the band White Lion. We're going to do a double dip this week. We'll start with Brett, who called in to my show a few weeks ago. Uh, Brett is doing, you know, he does tremendous work for diabetics and childhood diabetes. He is, of course, a diabetic himself. So he talked a little bit about some of the recent initiatives he's doing in that end, talked about the last run of dates with Poison, talked about what he's got going on, and talked about the potential for new music with Poison. So Brett Michaels first, and then Mike Tramp, the lead singer of White Lion, which of course is a band that no longer exists and really hasn't existed for probably about 25 years plus. For many, many, many years, Mike Tramp bittered, uh, had a lot of bitterness and harbored a lot of resentment because the, the band's guitar player, his partner and the co-founder of the group, Vito Brada, refuses to play and tour. Mike even at times tried to do versions of the band without him and had that shut down and not go so well. So after years of trying to coax Vito into playing, he has gone the other way now, Mike and decided he is just going to make the peace with Vito, respect his decision, and he has put White Lion to rest for good. Vito Brada, who I am continually in touch with, is continually out of the music business, as he has been for a couple decades plus. Mike Tramp, on the other hand, continues to play solo. He has a solo record out. He will play anywhere and everywhere. I see Mike on cruises. He will grab an acoustic guitar and play for anyone, anywhere. He is a rock and roll nomad warrior to the core. It's interesting because, you know, you have two very different takes on this with White Lion. Vito's a guy who made a huge mark for a brief period of time, sold some records, checked out. Tramp in it for life. Doesn't care where he's playing, who he's playing for. He's out there with a guitar, travels the world, and plays any environment. And it's really pretty remarkable that he is uh, totally willing to do that and does that on a regular basis. So you'll get a little perspective from him on how White Lion has basically been put to rest, what he's doing now, and some fun with Mike, who, you know, Brett I've known for a long time, and he's he's a dear friend. Tramp, I have tremendous history with. When he first came to America, he I was one of the first friends Mike had. We hung out a lot before he even had a record deal. And I worked for White Lion's management at one point. And the whole band, all the guys in White Lion and I have huge history. And we're all still friends to this day. White Lion was my first ever gold record I was awarded. It was given to me on stage at Lemoore's. It was the first record. When they got one, they gave it to me. Uh, It was a a tremendous moment. I'll never forget the record is hanging on my wall. I'm looking at it as I speak to you. So I have a lot of great history with these guys for forever. My mom used to cook 
dinner for Trim. I used to pick them up. We used to go out and get lunch and stuff, and we went to shows together. I traveled with them when they first started touring. Just, uh, you know, really, really deep roots myself and all the guys in White Lion. And Mike Tramp lives predominantly in Indonesia these days, so needless to say, I don't see him all that often. But it was great to have him call in for a bit, and this happened just after I saw him on the Monsters of Rock cruise this year, as a matter of fact. So we'll get to Brett first. We'll follow it up with Tramp. Two of the big stars of the 80s MTV world, two of the big pinups for sure with the ladies, and uh, two guys that are still doing really well, look great, sound great, in great shape, and total rock and roll warriors to the core. We'll start with Brett next on the Eddie Trunk Podcast. This is the Eddie Trunk Podcast. It can be a little frustrating, especially if you're in a hurry or running late, to find yourself at a railway crossing waiting for a train. And if the signals are going and the train's not even there yet, you can feel a bit tempted to try and sneak across the tracks. Well, don't. Ever. Trains are often going a lot faster than you expect them to be. And they can't stop. Even if the engineer hits the brakes right away, It can take a train over a mile to stop. By that time, what used to be your car is just a crushed hunk of metal. And what used to be you? Well, better not even think about that. The point is, you can't know how quickly the train will arrive. The train can't stop even if it sees you. The result is disaster. If the signals are on, the train is on its way. And you just need to remember one thing. Stop. Because trains can't. This This is the Eddie Trunk Podcast. Eddie Trunk back with you on a double dip podcast coming up in a bit. Mike Tramp of White Lion. But we get things started right now with Brett Michaels. Enjoy. How are you, my brother? I am doing awesome. Eddie, you're my friend, my brother, my partner in many a crime. (laughs) How are you you, doing, my friend? I'm good. You know, I was thinking about something the other day, because when I think of you, I think of a lot of things, but I also think of the fact that, like like me, like I'm such a passionate New York Giants fan, and you are such a massive Pittsburgh Steelers fan, and I respect that so much. And I was thinking the other day, Brett, you and I, our teams have had some parallel things going on lately. We've both lost major players. We both have aging quarterbacks. What's your outlook on your Steelers? Uh, I know it's early for football season talk, but for me, it's never too early. And there's, you know, the draft is coming. What's your what's your uh, scouting report for your your boys? Here it is, and I know we discuss this in depth on or off the air a lot. And again, we both know this about our teams. You have to believe to receive. In other words, I'm a believer every single season. This this last bump in the road is pretty significant. I mean, a lot of a lot of great players going, but but I want to say this: sometimes things happen for a reason. I'm not I'm not making excuses, but. There was starting to become a, a a definite issue and a lot of let's call it locker room. Uh, it, what do you want to say? Locker room drama? What would you call it? Locker room? Yeah, uh, it, yeah. A lot of uh, locker room debating going on. And in order for any 
team to be a winning team. And I say this, it's chemistry. You've got to want to be there. You've got to have, as I always say this, you've got to have, you've got to have the skills. In other words, a player's got to have the skill. And to be any player in the NFL, you've got to have skills. So you've got to have the skill. You've got to have the thrills, which is the, the marquee name. It's what brings people back. But you've got to have, the number one thing you've got to have in anything is the willpower and passion. And something just went askew. And I don't ever want to pretend I was in that locker room and know what's going on. But, you know, I have to believe that they're going to draft right, that they're going to move the right players into the right position and give people opportunity. And I think Ben, again, knowing Ben's been there a while, uh, I really truly believe Ben is going to step up sometimes. And I say this sometimes when things seem like they're getting their worst is when you shine the brightest and, and step back up and get really passionate with that that drive to win. And that's what we need. We need the right players that, that want to be there. No dissension in the ranks and all the players that, that have gone in the Steeler camp are all massively skilled players, no doubt. And, you know, it's going to be tough to replace that skill level, but I'll take some, some will and determination right now. You know, I mean, literally every single thing you said could be applied to my team, the Giants. Like, I feel the same exact way. Like, the parallels are crazy. This only came to me while I was on hold waiting to talk to you. And I was just like, you know, because we always, during the football season, we'll text about our teams. And I got a lot of respect yep. for the Steelers. And vice, I know you do for the Giants. And there's a bit of a lineage with the families and all that. And I was thinking about this. I'm like, both teams are kind of like dealing with a lot of the same stuff right now. Losing major guys. The draft coming up the quarterbacks coming out the same year getting older but i'm i i'm like you man i'm when it comes to my football team going into every season i don't care how bad it looks i'm always half glass full i always i'm actually okay with what's going on with my guys for the same reasons you just said it's it and i we, we and when i say this to you i i truly mean that like it is one of those things where in any any football team any business anything you lose people losing their passion or their will to want to win in other words if there's dissension if there's anything going on it all of a sudden the drama starts to outweigh being able to get on that field and win you've got to have one goal and that's to beat the opposition do you know what i mean that's all of you no matter what it takes and I always said this, the Steelers aren't always perfect. They were just always perfect when they had to be at the right moments. And that chemistry shined through people like Jerome Bettis. You know, when he would will them, they would literally be getting their butt kicked. And he'd come in there and just will that determination to win. Heinz Ward, you know, it's, it's unbelievable. That, that kind of determination. And, and I think Big Ben is going to step up and say, you know what? I've been here a while, but I've got the skills, and, and now I've got the will to, to prove to everybody that we're going to step up and we're going to win this season. And, again, now that all the players that surround him, it takes a – I always say it takes a village. It takes a team. No matter what the situation is, everyone's got to do their job. And look, you know, a lot of what you're talking about could be applied to rock and roll, too, because you've been in situations. I mean, there's no secret that in the history of Poison, there's been a ton of drama. But when you guys all get on that stage every night, you went you were on it to win it. You were on it to dominate. You were on it to bring to the fans what they wanted. So what you know, the, the, that unity, no matter what was happening for the benefit of the show, it, it, it was always you know, that was the priority. What happened on those 90 minutes you were under the lights? 1,000%. And I, and I say this in, on behalf of CeCe and Bobby and Ricky talking about poison 
at, at this exact moment. Th- those guys, we grew up together. We've been, it's true grit. We've been through a lot together. We lived in the back half of a beat up dry cleaner. I mean, barely surviving and fought. I put an independent record out. We did all those things. So there's a bond there, right? But what happened was, is we are four completely, so people understand poison, four completely different personalities that went and when it works and when it's right, it's insanely great. And when it went bad, we didn't fake it. I mean, when there was something went bad, it was a knockdown, drag out. We've talked about this many times. I mean, <laughs> real deal fist fight. We weren't, there was no, hey, let's plot this out as some publicity stunt. We weren't that smart. You know what I mean? We just literally threw down the guitars and started beating the hell out of each other. And that was the, and then the next day, literally, the next day, Busted broken nose, busted up face. CCME would, would work it out. We get back up on that stage. Didn't what we were fighting about. Usually, the good news is something to do with making the set or the songs. That sounds. It was. Ah, uh, Brett, your phone's breaking up on me, buddy. I don't know if you moved or what, but you're, you're breaking yeah. up on me. Did I lose you. Well, let me make a long story short. If you could still hear me, this is my life story in a nutshell right here. It is, I truly tell people this, the reason I have to laugh a lot, my life is in the middle of my most serious conversations. It's like a comedy of errors that I manage. (laughs) I'm like a comedy of errors that I manage in spite of myself to succeed through. (laughs) It's funny, but... On a great note, I'm actually traveling. I'm, I'm going to tell you a long story really short. I'm headed to Sacramento with Senator Roth. Uh, I'm on the road right now, and we are passing a bill. As I'm a lifelong type 1 diabetic, we are helping to, to put in uh, a bill that will unbelievably, and it starts in the state of California, and I hope rockets across all of America. It is for juvenile diabetes, uh, for awareness, to combat it, to work with a bunch of kids that are being bullied, that are getting this in school. And it's it's simply called um, No Survive Thrive Campaign, and it's going to be amazing. Wow, that is awesome. So you're traveling now, and and the, you, you, you've met with a lot of kids that deal with, on top of dealing with diabetes, they also deal with bullying because of it? Yeah, what happens is is, is, is is there's a lot of stuff going on. With, now that social media is as unbelievably big as it is, with it is greatness, and with it comes people that I call snipers that are easy to beat you up under some phony name. And what happens with a lot of kids that are diabetic is that they, you know, they're having a low blood sugar. They're giving themselves insulin. They've got, you know, they've got tubes hanging out of them. They've got a constant blood close, glucose monitor. And what happens is, is it's just that age, the day and age we live in. And so most of it is awareness and bringing in the, the, the right things to help them be healthy, knowing like a guy like me is at five injections a day. So that's how it all began. And then to also make people, as I said, it's called know, survive, thrive. Know the facts, you know, survive the impact and thrive and live an amazingly great life. And so Senator Roth and I, um, are going uh, early in the morning tomorrow to help uh, put this uh, pass this bill in. Well, man, I wish you the best of luck with that. That is absolutely awesome. And you know, tying in with all that theme, I, I reached out to you about coming on today because I saw and heard 
I saw the video and heard the song Unbroken that you recently did with your uh, your daughter Georgia, who co-wrote it with you. I just I thought I thought above and beyond everything, it was a really really good song, and obviously the message is great. The video was really cool. Tell us a little bit about how this came together, Brent. Uh, Brent. Well, first of all, Eddie, thank you for saying that. I wrote this with my youngest daughter, Georgia Blue, and she sat down. She was going through a really tough moment in her life, and it happens to everybody. She knows I've been through a lot, so we sit down at the piano. She goes to a school for music, and we sit down and wrote this song together. When I say wrote it, wrote it, she's a very old soul, and she sat down and she wrote this uh, these lyrics out and this piano melody, and I started playing the guitar with it. And the next thing you know, we wrote this song called Unbroken, um, they can listen to it with you. They can go to brettmichaels.com, uh, either download it or just check out the video. But you see a lot of what uh, – I made it a very raw, very real video. I've never really done a video quite like this before. And I just encourage people to take a look at it. And it's part of the theme song that's going to be used when we also uh, work on uh, passing this bill. Yeah, and it, you can everybody right now can you could just go to brettmichaels.com and it's right there on the homepage uh, with a message from Brett before it starts. Uh, your daughter is musically inclined then? She takes after you in that area? She does. She loves music and it's like to her and me it's therapeutic. Years ago when we did that TV show together with VH1 called Life as I Know It, she would pick up the guitar, I'm talking as a baby, and strum on it and write lyrics down. Like she'd write stuff down and I knew that's what she loved. And then my oldest daughter, uh, Rain Elizabeth, is uh, going to a school for journalism and broadcast uh, in Tennessee at a university. She loves it. And she's now uh, made the, I believe, um, the top six in Sports Illustrated's uh, swimsuit magazine. So she's a humble soul and, 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 and hardworking. And, you know, for your kids, you want nothing but the best. And, and that's all you do is you hope you... You showed them some – go out there and have fun, get it done, work hard at stuff, but but enjoy yourself too, and, and hopefully that's what they'll pursue. And I also noticed looking at your site, 124000 raised for the Life Rocks Foundation. Tell everybody a little bit about that. Very simple. Uh, the Life Rocks Foundation is – my foundation, it is a dollar in, dollar out, zero. I want to re re-say this, zero administration fee. Um, every dollar in there will be distributed. And that thing over the years has made millions as it comes in, and they go out in hundreds of thousands. But it's always the minute it comes in, in every single city I play in, we, we put money back into a charity in that area. And it's not just for wounded warriors or diabetes. It's also for muscular dystrophy. Uh, it's for uh, Make-A-Wish, Shriners, St. Jude's. I always feel this in my life. I've been, um, I've been blessed to be able to do what I get to do, which is go out on the road, make music. I get to talk with you. I get to play songs. I get to travel and then to leave something awesome behind. It's a, th- this is what I do for life. And I've met a lot of great people through three generations of them through the years and it's it's a family now yeah it's amazing man all the great stuff that you do and you know i was just thinking about it uh you just mentioned yourself five shots a day you've been you know since you were a kid dealing with diabetes i i 
thankfully in my family don't have a history of that and don't have uh, haven't dealt with that but it is hereditary is it not so my question is do your kids also deal with it or do they they have to be monitored for people out there listening you know is that a precaution that they should take if they deal with it themselves and they have kids 100 percent. and with rain if you remember years ago when we were doing the 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 apprentice uh, on the season that we won, the, my daughter was diagnosed with prediabetes, so we deal with that all the time with rain, and now we've got to keep a good eye on Georgia as well. And it's just, you know, as, as a parent, you, I say this, it's, you never, ever want this to happen, but should it happen, I'm also showing them that they can live exactly the life they want to live. It's just going to take some absolute extra work to, to keep that blood sugar right and stay healthy. And how do you do today, man? How's your health? I mean, you've been through the wars yourself as far as that's concerned related to diabetes and everything else. How how are you doing today? You're okay? As of right now, Eddie, I'm doing awesome, man. And I, I feel great. And I take it, as I said, I take it day by day. But right now I'm feeling good. And, uh, you know, again, get to get to travel, get to do something awesome. And when something uh, bad arises, uh, I just, uh, um, you know, I try to keep my, my uh, mental and physical strength. As I say in, in the song Unbroken, I said it's about sometimes just being stronger than your own storm. You know, things happen to all of us, for, you know, beyond just diabetes to everybody go through different struggles. And that's when Unbroken, I wrote that to just inspire to, to, to keep in the fight. Two more quick things. As far as the solo band, I know you're out there. I'm looking at your dates. Uh, next up, April 5th in uh, Minnesota, and then Green Bay, Indio, California, Tucson. So you're out there doing a lot of the, looks like sort of the weekend warrior stuff with the solo band right now. Is that right? Yeah, we do. Well, what you do is um, coming into the year, because we tour so much, we're in just different locations at this time of year. A lot of the, a lot of the shows are like when we're up in Minnesota or like Green Bay, I play the arena at Brown County Arena. These shows have been sold out. They're great shows, but they're in different areas of the country. And so when we go out there at this time of the year until summer kicks in, um, we go out there and we give a thousand percent on these shows, no different than when we're just on the road for, you know, 90 days, you know, 90 or three months in a row. And it's uh, it's incredible because one one weekend I'm doing stagecoach and then I'm at Brown County um, Arena uh, doing a big show there. Then up in Minnesota and it, again, it's like family now. It's uh, it's one of those things when we travel that we know so many of the fans and there are three generations of them and we bring a rock show in the solo band. And I say this with with Pete and Eric and Robbie and Mike, we're like you know, again, best friends. And when we have issues, we work it out. And, and even in a solo band, I, I always say this to everybody, solo or poison, it, it takes a team, it takes a village and everyone, you know, working together. But we've got that solo band. When it hits that stage, we are on a thousand. All the crews out there handing guitar picks to people. We make it an absolute music-driven party. Yeah, well, I've been lucky enough to introduce you guys a bunch of times, and uh, you, you do it the right yeah. way. The party starts now, and that's exactly what it is, kicking and off the party. It, you bring it too, man. It's It takes, like I said, us all these great years together, and, and I tell people this when they ask me questions. I said when I talk with you, I said your passion for music and what you do, is that is sincere and it's real, and it's I said that's admirable in this day and age, man. That's that's awesome, and we're both like that, and we've been doing it a, a long time, and we'll continue. 
Yep, for sure. So, um, and one other thing on the poison front, you know, you had that great tour with Cheap Trick and Pop Evil, and it seems to have gone real well, and the vibe seemed to be real good. What do you? What is there? Are there any plans going forward on the on the poison front? One thousand percent. We next year, um, all of us back out, and we're going to make it unbelievable. Um, you know, as I said. We, I never do anything instead of, you know, it's not like I've got to leave poison to do solo or vice versa. I just make it all work in tandem. And next year uh, we're already talking about where to kick it off, where to start. And we're going to make it an incredible tour and, uh, and then mix that with the solo dates. It's, it's going to just continue. Cause this is at this point, this is what I not only love to do, it's what I live and do. This is this is what I love to do is be out on the road making music, and Poison is going to bring, a, again, an awesome show next year. So 2020 for people looking for Poison again next year, not nothing this year really, right? N- nothing this year. It'll be uh, next year. We're going to put a new look together. Um, hopefully, hopefully a song or two. Even if we just get one good song together, I said, guys, let's just write one awesome kick-ass modern day you know now today a nothing but a good time a modern day talk dirty to me a, a ride the wind let's just go in there and write one kick-ass song and and let's just take it out on the road with all the hits and have a great time and, and one last thing just hit me did you have you watched the the motley crew film did you see the dirt yet i i have not i have not had a chance i saw bohemian rhapsody and i thought it was unbelievably gritty because it truly told an underdog story um you know and and going in there and learning how they made the sounds and the record and giving you insight on how the chemistry the band worked it was really good but i have not seen the dirt yet yeah, I was just curious because obviously that even though they predated you a little bit, it's very much about the Sunset Strip and that scene and and all that. So I just uh, I just didn't know. Did you guys have much crossover with Motley? I think well, Motley was pretty much well on their way by the time uh, Poison broke, right? Yeah, they when when we had arrived out there, they were just starting to leave. Um, the strip and then I remember right around the time of our first record uh, going out and doing shows with them and and doing like we we went up to the Oakland Coliseum and but that that whole sunset vibe was just it's an incredible it's an incredible vibe and like I said hopefully they you know it's it's tough when you're trying to pick out the pieces of your life and tell a story but like I said, with Bohe- going back to the, the, the movie, the Queen film, Bohemian Rhapsody, they, they were able to give you enough insight that you knew what it was and left the rest up to the imagination, which made it great. Well, you know, these biopics are starting to become all the rage. The the Queen one, as you mentioned, the biggest uh, music biopic of all time. The Motley one, the Elton John one is coming in a couple months. It, is, it, is that something that would interest you if somebody approached you about doing a, a Poison slash Brett sort of biopic? Is that a story they, you would embrace? Yeah, they have, and we, we will, and it's just got to be, again, I say this going back to on this, what I don't want is them just to throw the stuff that everyone obviously has. You got to have some of that in there, but you got to see the real story. Like that when they did the Queen again, going back to Bohemian Rhapsody, it was so interesting to see the stuff I didn't know or the conversations they had, or it, how things came about with the music or their lifestyle. And I think the same thing with with Poison or myself as a solo artist, being able to tell that real story and people being able to identify or engage with the character that's what you need you gotta you gotta feel it it can't just be the grandiose 
they've got to see the the true grit of what you've gone through to get to that point. Yeah. Well, listen, man, I know you're traveling. I appreciate a few minutes. Best of luck with what you're traveling for. That sounds like uh, that is an awesome initiative, and I hope it works out exactly the way you want it to. And we remind everybody to go to brettmichaels.com for more information, see the video, the concert dates that Brett has with his great solo band that's up there right now, and all the information. There's even a link there if you want to make a donation to Life Rocks, everything. Or if you want to buy a Brett Michaels candle, uh, we we do have the joint... The joint Eddie Trunk Brett Michaels candle was around for a minute. I remember that. We're going to have Eddie the Eddie Michaels. We'll call it the Eddie Michaels candle. We're going to mix the first, <laughs> first name of my last, and we're going to make it an unbelievable smell of an, a drunken Irish bar. All right, <laughs> <laughs> the smell of the next morning after you know. But but if, and I say this in in in, in saying this and going. Thank you for the great years, and the fans can cheer us on tomorrow uh, with what we're doing uh, in Sacramento, California, at the state capitol with Senator Roth and myself. Cheer us on and let them know this costs. This is a this is the right thing to do. It's it's great awareness uh, for kids that are this epidemic of these kids getting diagnosed with a with an incurable disease. Help me to, to fight this and just cheer them on, tell them make this thing this bill pass and fly. Well, I certainly hope it does, man. That is great that you're doing that, Brett. I wish you all the luck in the world. Thanks for the time, buddy. I'll talk to you soon, okay? Keep us posted. Always. Thank you so much, Eddie. Well, my thanks to Brett. Always great to talk to him. And, man, he's a busy guy. He does some great work and is always out there hustling with his solo band, some Poison stuff, the charity stuff that he does, TV stuff that he does. Uh, Always good to get a check-in with Brett Michaels and even talk a little football because Brett is huge Steelers guy. I'm a huge Giants guy, and we always get into some football talk for sure. Okay, uh, break. We'll come back, and we will turn our attention to Mike Tramp of White Lion next on the Eddie Trunk Podcast. The Eddie Trunk Podcast. Hey, be sure to check out Offbeat with Ricky Anderson and Mir Harris on Podcast One. Join the head of A&R for the Kanye West-founded label Good Music and the music executive turned activist as they sit down for strange stories and offbeat conversations with some of the biggest names in music, comedy, entertainment, and more. Download new episodes of Offbeat with Ricky Anderson and Mir Harris every week on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. This is the Eddie Trunk Podcast. Welcome back. If you were listening earlier, I already told you of the huge history I have with the guys in White Lion and Mike Tramp. This interview happened uh, about six, eight weeks ago when Mike was touring in the U.S., coming off of the Monsters of Rock cruise and out there doing his own shows. And Mike called into my Sirius XM show on volume to catch up on his solo record and some other stuff as well. Enjoy. Mike, how are you, brother? Eddie, how are you, man? Thanks for having me on your great show. Anytime, man. I'm sorry. You know, I tell I was telling the audience we were going to have you physically here next Monday, but that obviously had to change because, as I just mentioned, I'm going to be on the West Coast when you're coming coming east. But I know you've been out there. You know, I saw you on the Monsters of Rock cruise. You've been out there touring pretty much nonstop since, right? 
hey, at least I don't have to pay $100 in parking to come into Manhattan. <laughs> I, know, I just say, trust me, I did. <laughs> hey, Mike, I did today, so I, I feel your pain totally. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, Eddie, I'm in Flint, Michigan right now, and, and you know, the tour's moving, you know, East Coast, and I'll be in Jersey in a couple of days and stuff like that. This is what I do, you know, bringing the music to the people, both physically on stage and also, you know, the physical product selling the CD, the LP, even the cassette tapes and T-shirts after the show. It's just where rock and roll for me is today, and I'm totally okay with that. Uh, Mike Tramp and John Karabi are playing together. We'll get into that. John is on much many of these dates in the show, as he mentioned, in New Jersey, coming up at Debonair Music Hall in Teaneck on the 17th. But, Mike, you know, I think that's something – look, as I was telling the audience before, you and I met before anybody knew who you were in America, before you even had a record deal. And back then, when we first met and became friends – we bonded over the fact that we were both huge fans of rock music, that it was in our blood. We were lifers. You went your way with it as a performer and a singer. I went my way with it doing what I do. But when it's in your blood like that, it never really leaves you. And I think it's over the last few years, it's really, really impressive because you will literally get out there. You did a tour a few years ago, I remember. You just rented a car, you threw your guitar in the back seat, and just go out and play. And I think that is awesome because there's a lot of guys that wouldn't do that at this point in their career. Well, you know, this is my fifth U.S. tour as a solo artist, uh, which is, the, like you say, ex this is exactly the same I've done before. The rental car, you know, in Los Angeles, and then, you know, across the country, with acoustic guitar, you know, the whole backseat full of T-shirts and CDs and gifts and whatever you have, you know, and this is what I do. I think that possibly that, you know, maybe late 70s, 80s and 90s where shows became so big, forgot that there was a time with Johnny Cash, Dylan, and all these other early rock and roll folk artists just did it this way, and then suddenly it became the tour bus, and then suddenly it became the big hotel rooms and the backstage. But when that isn't there anymore, what are we going to sit home? I've done this for 42 years. Like you said, it is my life. It's, it's what I do. So if you play for 15 people in a bar somewhere out in the middle of Pennsylvania, or you get on, on the Monsters of Rock Cruise, you are always you, no matter what it is, and I don't de need a a upscaling drum riser or fire explosions to get my songs across. I'm extremely happy with where I am. I'm not going to deny if you say, "Hey, this man, would you like to go into opening up for this and this?" Yes, I'll take anything I can get, but it'll never decide if I'm going to be happy or not happy. My music and my album speak for themselves. They're 100% legit. They're no filler. They're a self-expression of my life. Mike's latest solo record is called Stray from the Flock, and it's out now. And, Mike, it's like you're – this is this like you're – I was counting ninth, tenth solo record? Eleventh. 11th solo record. So for those of you that often call me up and say things like, hey, whatever happened to White Lion? What are those guys doing now? <laughs> Mike Tramp, their lead singer, has put out 11 solo records, ladies and gentlemen. So get online and get in line, you know, find out about it and explore it or go out and see Mike and, and you'll see what he's doing. And, you know, Mike, I'm curious because White Lion ended in 91, right? Correct. September 2nd, Boston, the... the the chan you know, in Boston, yeah, the channel in Boston, yeah, last show. 
Did you know it was the last show when it ended? Did, did was it spoken about? Only I don't know. You know there is a long story, and and you know we'll get it to another day. It's not like it's going to re- reveal anything that's not already been said. But you know, a couple of days before the when we had gotten in and played the Ritz in New York, our hometown of New York, you know, this is where we were signed to Atlantic Records and stuff like this. And, you know, especially they had asked us to redo Broken Heart on this on, on, on the main attraction album, which Vito and I were really against because for us to redo one of our own songs is almost like saying you haven't written enough songs for the new album, which we have. So when we then get, in, get into New York, and it's the day the video get released, and there's nobody from the record company even showing up at our hometown show, the same town where the record company is. To me, that was a kick in the balls. And something happened to me there. And a few days later, backstage, I told Vito, when we play a Boston here on, on Tuesday, whatever it was, it'll be the final show. And Vito looked at me and just said, okay. And I swear to God, we did not speak about this for 20 years. Wow, and you well, tw- and you've spoken about it since with him. No, no, I mean, no, it wasn't that Vito and I didn't speak for twenty years, but we never talked about what it was that happened there. Now, in the later years, which I'm happy to announce to your audience and to you, because I know you know it means a lot, because you, me, and Vito were a team. Vito and I have have really established our relationship again as friends and talk like on a monthly basis and really just do sort of therapy with each other so we can go to our grave with pride of the career we had together and understand that it was not he and I that broke up the band. It was it was just something that happened because of all the people we had put our faith in let us down and we and and it's a decision we made so for years you had a lot of animosity with Vito because you were tired of answering questions about him we all know and as you said I'm friends with all of you guys and value that friendship we've had for decades together but uh, you, I know for a lot of a lot of years you had issues. You know, you you got tired of people asking you about them, which I certainly understand. You actually put a version of White Lion together at one point, made a record without them. So you've cleared the air on all that stuff. You guys are good on, and you've talked all that out. Yes, we did. We did, and and I have been over the past couple of years been the one out there basically both admitting and apologizing that the only thing that I'd never planned to do in my career and wanted to do was go back and rehash a version of white line that had nothing to do with white line. It's just nothing to do with the guys that played in the bands. It was that Mike Tramp's heart was not in it. It was just a moment of weakness, not believing enough in my solo albums, playing cafes in France and some guy saying, hey, if you put a new wide line together, you can play festivals and get much more money. Stuff like that. And then you fall for that and you, you engage in it and you go out there and then you realize it's not what you want to do. And then, you know, of course, you know, Vito did not want the name White Lion to be used with not him being the band. And it actually took a couple of years for me to really understand how much it it meant to Vito, and when Vito one day told me in one of these conversations, first of all, he told me, Mike, I'm not against you. I just don't want to turn YouTube on and see the title White Lion live and so on and so and somebody doing When the Children Cry solo, and it's not me. White Lion was you and I. It was our band. We wrote the songs. That uh, is the memories 
I want for the rest of my life. And that when he told me that, I had tears in my eyes and I totally understood it because I had also gotten to that point that when we closed White Line, it was we felt that this is where we wanted to stop it. There was something that going into the 90s that didn't agree with the things we were looking at and stuff like that. And we wanted to somehow end it in, 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 you know, on a higher level than something that would not represent us in the future. But it just took many years to really understand it. Well, I want, I want to ask you about your solo record in a second. But one other thing that I think is interesting, you know, you and me and a lot of other people that know him are constantly asked about Vito still to this day. I, I'm maybe a day, maybe a day doesn't go by. And I've told him this, that I don't get a text or a tweet or a, a email or a phone call to this show asking about Vito Brada. Why do you think, and have you discussed why, whether, not even saying putting White Lion together again, but why, do, has he ever talked to you about why he's, because Mike, I know people, and some people I won't even say publicly that I know, who have literally driven to his house to, to talk to him about this. Do you have any idea why he just has, doesn't want to play or do anything at all in, in music publicly? Well, yes, I do, because there are actually time, Eddie, where I also don't feel like doing it, doing it anymore. When, when all the magic around us, the stuff that made us fall in love with rock and roll, first of all, our heroes, then the industry, then the touring stuff, like when all of that were really exposed that it was a two-phase kind of thing, that the people we thought loved this, and I'm not talking about the fans, I'm talking about the people that made money from us and stuff like that, turned their back on us and stabbed us in the back and all stuff like it, you know, it really ripped us apart. And maybe it's just that I came from a different background than Vito, that I maybe were a little bit stronger or just of a different nature that I just fought back. But Vito just says, I just don't want to deal with this. And I understand now, I understand it from every conversation that I have with him. And when the fans and when people are asking me also, like, like they're saying they're asking you, in every second interview asking, is it going to be a reunion? And they don't understand. I have to come to the point of saying, listen, if you don't take no for an answer, then hear this. I can't be my tramp 1988. I can't sing like that, and I'm not going up on stage and doing a half-assed job, which most of the bands out there are doing. Well, you're dead. You're spot on about that, my friend. You're right, but you know as well as I do. There's the value and the money is in the name and getting out there and throwing those names up on these, you know, these festivals or these events, and that that, that you know, there's money there, so people do it. But I, I applaud, I applaud the fact that you both feel that way because there is. I've always felt strongly, Mike, and I've always said this about. I, I have a term not. It's, and it's a common phrase, don't stay too long at the party. Know when to get out, know when to change, know when to kind of become a different thing that's more comfortable for where you're at at that point in your life instead of making a mockery out of what you once were. So I'm with you, you know, I, tur I, tur I turned the TV on yesterday, Eddie, and suddenly that this is, has nothing to do with rock roll, but it's a fact. It's something that I've mentioned many times. And suddenly Alex Trebek was on there, you know, from, you know, the, the host from Jeopardy. So was doing an interview. Suddenly he talks about that athletes have an expiration date, and especially the, the, the elite 
have even a shorter uh, expiration date because the game is so high up there. But for some reason, rock and roll has been given a carte blanche, and it doesn't matter if you go up there with a wig, a hat, or a playback tape. As long as you have a logo behind you that's saying, this is the name of the band, or and there's no even original members in the band, somehow people think it's okay to buy a ticket. And I will not buy a ticket like that. I, I mean, I'm in tears when I see some of my heroes of how they have turned out and stuff like that, you know? There were an old movie back in the 70s or maybe late 60s called They Shoot Horses, Don't They? And, you know... <laughs> <laughs> You're right, Mike. I, I, I talk about it all the time. I couldn't agree with you more, man. It's like, look, one of my favorite bands in the world, you know this, is UFO, right? And UFO is, of course. UFO is touring right now, and Phil Mogg is 70, and he said he's done. He's going to do about 20 shows, and he's retiring, and he's done. He said, it's time. And a lot of people came to me when they heard that news, and they said, oh, you must be devastated. You're such a big UFO fan. And I said, actually, no. I, 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 th- I think it's wonderful. I said, because I am a big UFO fan. Phil can still sing. It is still all real. And you know what? He's put in 50 years. I'm good with what he's given me. He should go do what he wants to do now. So I, I you know, I, I, I'm with you 100%, man. Likewise, I have, I have Strangers in the Night. It's one of the greatest live albums. Whenever I want to hear UFO in its prime, I put that on. Right. And I sit down in my couch and I have a gin and tonic and I remember how great rock and roll once was. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, let me ask you this. In in the years since White Lion ended, as you said, 91, have you, because you, for people that don't know, growing up in Denmark, you were a star there already as a child, right? You had a lot of success. You were in a band uh, very young, and you had experienced success in, in your native Denmark before White Lion. I don't know how many people realize that. So so you had you had hit singles in Denmark, right? Yeah, but you know, I, I, at the same time, especially these days when, when when you have all these TV shows, you know, with young kids going to stuff like that. This was nine. This was nineteen seventy six. I was a kid dropping out of school after, you know, like eight years and asking my mom to join this band, which was something I didn't even want to do. And in many ways, it became it became became the energy in me that that because of what I did in those early years, which I can't even put my name to, um, it was so important for me that in my career, I would I would get better and better at what I was doing. And I'm not talking about talk, singing as high as I did on the first Wide Lion song, Broken Heart, but as an artist and as being the real deal in, in when you look in my eyes and when you hear my voice and when you hear the songs and we hear, read the lyrics, that it would be something that you would believable. So that became really my, 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 my journey about almost correcting that I got into something so early I was unprepared for. Since White Lion ended... Did have you and and all these years you had a band called Freak of Nature? You've said you've done a bunch of solo records. You've done some things, but has anyone has there been ever ever any moments where established bands have? I mean, because there's tons of people are looking for singers and great frontmen and all that. Have you been approached over the decades about joining established bands or being a part of some of this stuff that goes on? Maybe even some of these all star bands that come together. Has any of that ever appealed to you? 
No, it hasn't appealed to me, but I've been asked many times, and there's so many people ask, hey, dude, were you ever asked to, to join Van Halen or the crew? And I answer in this way. If I had gotten the call, my answer would have been, I can't fill those shoes, both vocally and also image-wise, because I, my, I represent a different form of, of mentality in how I would approach that, stuff like that. So I would not go in and, 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 and fill the shoes of Vince Neil. I wouldn't go in and, and try to replace Davey Roth, you know, stuff like that. So I would just say, thank you, but no thanks. What was you your- know, Mike Tramp is the world's best Mike Tramp. I almost don't fit into anything but me. When you look back on White Lion, what's your personal highlight? What was the highlight moment for you in the in the history of that band? Well, it definitely is pride because, it, like, even though you know and, and, and half the fans know that Fight to Survive existed, when we got, you know, got dropped, you know, from the label before Fight to Survive even came back, we, we, we kind of, like, got back down in the Brooklyn basement where we were from. And, and the Pride album became that the next two years of our live show, which you went to many times. So when we recorded Pride, we were the band, the kind of band that's always so strong on their first album, even though it was our second. So in our case, the chase was much better than the catch because when we were, when we were just broke and, and, and you know, driving behind Triumphs, two of us in our own little car to, to be able to play some some big arena shows where we had no money. That's when we were the band. That's when we were mortal. The second we got the money and the separate dressing rooms, something fell apart. And there weren't enough strong people around us to guide us together and stuff like that. And maybe Vito and I were not experienced enough to say, listen, let's go out to dinner and let's talk about why it starts out fraying at, at the edges. But the Pride album... And, 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 and that tour and stuff like that, before we really reached the success, is when the band was the band, and that is the highlight of the band's career. And you're a guy that went from being you know completely unknown in America, and then, of course, there's MTV and the incredible power of MTV and wait and when the children cry and tell me and all this stuff becomes all over MTV, suddenly your face is on every TV screen in America. That I mean, that had to be a hard thing to adjust to so quickly. I'm sure you probably made some mistakes along the way when you look back at those times. Yeah, I, I, well, I, I think that, that the thing that a lot of people don't understand and and it's only looking back that i understand because i will be the first one to say i didn't even look out the window that's how how fast that train went through the 80s we didn't even realize what we were doing or what we were committing to before it was over the 80s were not the 60s the 70s and the 80s were not the 90s the 80s were a very unique decade of incredible happiness Every door at the record company opened to every band with a blonde lead singer and three guys with dark hair and all those kind of things. So we jumped on and we copied everyone else and they copied us and nobody wanted to pull back and say, our next album is going to be a little darker because everybody was afraid in many ways of losing what we had just accomplished. So we were just trying, trying to outdo each other. But I know along the way, we paid a price, and we paid the price when we released the, the Big Game album, which, which this year is the 30th anniversary of that because we've been on the road for two years with a Pride album and thrown into the studio without ever having a break and saying, what should the new White Lion album sound like? Because 
these days, I don't necessarily say it, but fans will call up and say, you were a different band. Listen to the songs you guys did. They weren't the Sunster Strip kind of bands. They weren't this and this. It's just that we all were piled together because of the look and the hair and stuff like that. But you put Lady of the Valley on, or you put Cry for Freedom, a little fight on, it's not what the other bands did. Are you still in touch with James and Greg? At times, um, not because we are not in touch uh, friends-wise. It's just that uh, they're not as good on emails as I do. But once I run into them, there is no bad blood. And I will. Uh, I am open to anything they want to talk about. There's just not going to be any reunion. And there's not going to be anything in the name of Wide Lion. That is a promise I've made to Vito, and it is also a promise I've made to myself. But most of all, I don't want to do it. There is no need to do it. It doesn't make any sense in my life. It is defeat. I am perfectly happy with what I do, the level I'm at, and and nothing else matters and stuff like that. I'm not, I'm not looking for glory. I'm just happy to be able to go out on stage and talk to the fans after the show and, and see that my life and my 11 solo albums and my lyrics is part of their life. So that's what I am. I am one of those medications on the shelves of Walgreens that once in a while you need, and when you need that, I will be there for them. Mike's uh, Mike Tramp's solo record, his latest one, is called Stray from the Flock, and it is out right now. So, Mike, tell everybody about this record and what you're doing now, because this is different than than what White Lion was about. Although, with your in your current show, you play some White Lion songs, obviously, but what you're doing now is way more singer-songwriter-based, and I know you're out there with Karabi on most of these dates, right? Yeah, I mean, you know, actually, I read in a, in a review the other day that maybe Stray from the Flock should have been the title of my first solo album in 91, which was called Capricorn, and you could reverse them, because what I did at that time is with that I made a decision that when you hear Mike Tram's solo, I found some cassette tapes from from the basement I lived in, my, my manager's basement in Staten Island, where I'm sitting and writing early ideas to white line. If it was hungry, it was when the children crying that they don't beat and I would work on stuff like that. These are the versions I play live today. And what you hear there is that Mike Tramp as when by himself has always been the same. And that's why you say, I say to you, you can't put me in mod the crew. You can't be put me in black Sabbath because I will just sound like Mike Tramp. I can't be molded. So all I have done is just continuing what I am as a solo artist, you know, and that is in lack of better words. And for the radio audience, put me closer to Tom Petty, put me closer to Ryan Adams or Springsteen or something like that. That is where, that is how I grew up. I grew up on Johnny Cash. I grew up on Dylan, stuff like that, because that's what my mom played in my home. I did not grow up on Aerosmith or Ted Nugent or that kind of stuff. These were bands I discovered later on and, of course, fell in love with. But I am, at heart, a singer-songwriter and things like that. So these days, on my albums, I, I invite a little bit of ACDC and meet with Tom Petty, and out comes my tramp. How much longer are you out there on tour in the U.S.? I am on tour till the 23rd of March, and then I go straight into a month in Europe, and then the most of the summer will be in, in Europe. Uh, I'm not going to announce it, but I am kind of saying I am now putting 
the final touch on finally touring full band electric in 2020. Here in the U.S.? In the U.S. Oh, that'll be great. because And where's home these days, Mike? Because you're from Denmark, but I know you were living in Indonesia. Are you still in Indonesia? My wife and kids are in Indonesia. I have a few cardboard boxes in, on my brother's a ranch in, in, in Denmark. I am basically a man without a home and so on. So, and it was interesting before when, when you said about it, I was going to say, Eddie, Eddie, I don't even own a home and things like that. But still, I am not, I will not do something out there for the sake of money. I only do it because it's something that I, I love. Then, I deserve to be paid because people come in the door, but I will not go out and do something for the sake of money that I don't believe in. And I, I don't think, and I've known you since like 84, I don't think you've ever had a home. <laughs> you've, you've lived on the road or with people or in different countries, but you've never really, you've always been that guy that's just moved around and like, you know, like I, I give you all the credit in the world, man, because a rock and roll lifer, wherever it takes you, however it takes you, that was always you and it's still you. It's almost like life, like, like life just got, you know, it just took over and you became that kind of thing that you were doing. And it's not necessarily that I sat down as a kid and say, this is a life I wish to have. It is damn hard. And, and at times you just feel like, you know, you just want to end it and no, not do it anymore because it really drives you, you crazy. And then you come off stage and you know that your songs have, have, have made a lot of people happy. And plus also, all my solo songs is about my life. I put everything out in the open. Basically, it's almost like I put my pin code and my and my my passwords to all my my, my different things that I need passwords for. I, I I get incredible therapy out of this by sharing my life with the fans. Is nothing fake in any of my tram lyrics. It is me myself. I that I'm singing on. Are singing about and 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 a lot of fans a lot of people that come to the show say hey listen you're singing about my life and that is the real reward for this you still owe me a, to a turbocharger on my conquest you know that right <laughs> route eight, what was that route 18 <laughs> route nine my, before mike tell the audience this quick funny story before uh before White Lion even broke, before they even had the record deal, like I said, that's how far back I go with Mike. And Mike was living, I was working for Megaforce Records, Old Bridge, New Jersey. Mike was living yeah. down in that area at a small apartment. You just, White Lion was coming together. Hey, I was staying with my girlfriend. I didn't have a home. Okay? Right. That's what I'm saying. You haven't had a home since the day I met you. And you my mom cooked dinner for you a couple times. You definitely didn't have a home. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And then, uh, and then I, I, I had just gotten like my first nice new car. It's been like 86 and it was, uh, it was called a conquest and it was fast as hell. And I literally had it like a day. So I go to pick up Mike to go to lunch. And I said, Mike, he goes, Oh, I got to take this for a ride. He go, Mike, they told me you got to break the turbocharger in. You can't gun it. You got to wait about a month till it breaks in. <laughs> Mike gets on that that highway he guns shifting it pump i go no you're gonna blow my turbo <laughs> to this day i'll never forget that man memories eddie memories eddie that's what's about and that's what your origin should always remember we had a great time now let's go out with grace
Yeah, well, you know what? Couldn't have said it better, buddy, and I'm glad you're still doing it, and I think it's great where you're at right now, and it's coming from your heart, and you live it, you breathe it, you have since the day I met you, and I think that that's awesome. And I'm bummed that I'm I'm going to be west when you're east next week, so hopefully I'll catch you somewhere. But if you're going to come do full electric, that'll be great. Love to see that as well. So that's something to look forward to for 2020. And everybody go see Mike Tramp. Mike, where should people find you online and uh, you know your Facebook website? Tell everybody where to go. Mike Tram, official Facebook. Official means that it's official. There's no other Facebook. It's Mike Tram official. That's sort of like the modern day uh, website because people are too lazy to go to a website now. So Mike Tram, official Facebook. I don't have Instagram. I don't twit. I just do old-fashioned Facebook. <laughs> All right, and if you're in the New York, New Jersey area, you can see Mike in Teaneck, New Jersey, Debonair Music Hall on March 17th. Uh, Karabi is on all these dates with you? He's on some of the dates and stuff like that. John and I have a, a good friends, and, and you know, it, you know, we share stories. We have a good time. Oh, it's, what a character he is. What a character he is. He's like a he sit, sitting around with old Uncle John and hear his his war stories, man. It's the best. <laughs> well, this is the way it should be. It, sh- it shouldn't be us out there being bitter about what we don't ain't got anymore. It should be about talking about life. It's like passing it on to your children. It's it's one of those things, passing it on to the fans, telling the stories, making a little bit of fun out of yourself because we have done some silly things. And it's it's great to look back and knowing that you're still out there, and both of us, both John and I, still have the voice to sing songs from the stage in the way we now do it. And I know people leave with nothing but great memories from that show. Hey, my friend, it's great to talk to you. Travel safe. Thank say, you, Eddie. Say hello to John. Good luck with the record again. The record is out now. It's called uh, Stray from the Flock, Mike Tramp's 11th and latest solo record, currently out on tour. As he said, look for his Facebook page. You'll see all the dates if he's coming your way. And I'll talk to you soon, man. Okay, stay in touch. You got it, brother. Thank you. You got it, bud. A lot of history with that guy. Years of friendship that continue to this day. Mike Tramp. And thanks, same deal with Brett Michaels, and thanks to him earlier uh, for calling in as well. Again, all the interviews you hear on the Eddie Trunk Podcast originate on my SiriusXM show on Volume 106. Please listen to me live every day, Monday through Friday, 2 to 4 p.m. Eastern Time, replay 9 to 11 p.m. Eastern, or anytime you want, on demand on the SiriusXM app. Trunk Nation on Volume Channel 106 on Sirius XM. If you're in the U.S. and Canada and you are not on board, please, please join us. You will not regret it. Remember, follow on social media at Eddie Trunk, Twitter, Instagram, fan page on Facebook. EddieTrunk.com is the official online home. All my appearances are on the homepage. Play, pay close attention to that homepage because a lot of stuff is being added and, uh, being worked into the mix as far as the scheduling and I'm doing some speaking shows again, hosting events being added every day. I just confirmed Lynch Mob. I'll be back in Tulsa to host a show with Lynch Mob and that's going to be going on in June. I've got that date right in front of me and I forgot to mention it to you before. So I'll hit you with it right now because it's literally hot off the presses. June 8th. Lynch Mob at the IDL Ballroom in Tulsa. Come on out, all the great Tulsa rockers that I hang with and look forward to seeing you there. Okay, more online, more on the website as it is confirmed. And uh, thanks to Katie Irizarry. She's the producer of the Eddie Trunk Podcast. 
You guys have yourselves a great week. See you next Thursday for another all-new episode, always free, podcastone.com or iTunes. This is Jordan Harbinger, host of the not-so-creatively-titled Jordan Harbinger Show. We dig into the superpowers of the world's most interesting thinkers, and then we deliver them to you right into your ears. It's more than just a way to get inspired, and I get it. We're not all superheroes. That's why we give you their blueprint and include worksheets for every episode, as well as answer your listener questions so you can live what you listen. Listen free to The Jordan Harbinger Show, available on Apple Podcasts and PodcastOne.com.